So good to see you, so good to be here with you again, and uh, just so grateful with God so He has given me the opportunity to, uh, yeah, talk to you about His Word, which is uh, always exciting, isn't it? Always exciting. So uh, it's good to see you, good to see your faces. Um, before we jumped into the, um, before we jump into the the story we're going to be reading and learning from today, I would like to touch on the meaning of two words that are actually going to be really important for the, for the rest of the message. Um, so the first um, word is citizenship, and it's the state of being a member of a particular country and having rights because of it. Yeah, so this is really important, we, having rights because of we are members, is belonging to a nation. And the second word is exile. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention before, but the theme for today is integrity in exile. I think Matthew gave you a really nice uh, overview about the whole book of Daniels, and from now on we're going to be focusing on specific chapters. Uh, and the theme today is integrity in exile, how to live in Babylon. So exile is the condition of someone being sent or kept away from their own country and village. Yeah, citizenship and exile, so remember that. I would like to share an interesting fact about me with you. Um, I'm not just a member of a country here on earth, just one. Um, I'm a member, of the, well, of two. This, this little, yeah, I know it's, it's getting exciting, isn't it? But wait, 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 wait. This, this little book says that I'm a member of Honduras, uh, therefore I have rights in that country. This little passport here says that I'm a member of the United Kingdom of Great Britain. Sounds good. And I have rights there. But, and this is getting, it gets more excited now. I, only, I, I do not have just two passports. I do have three passports. Ah, that's interesting. And the, the good news is that... Um, well, I'm going to show you my passport. But the, the good news is that it's not, it's not just mine. Is you, you got that passport as well. That's the passport of the, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship, my citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are here on earth waiting. We're still not there in our heavenly nation. Okay, We are here waiting for Jesus, the kingdom of God, and because of that, we are all exiles. And this is what I need you to remember. We are all exiles because we don't belong here. We belong in heaven, in the kingdom of God. So um, we're going to be reading um, in chapter 1. If you go to your Bibles and open your Bibles on page 884, um, that would be great. And if we can keep open uh, the Bibles, um, that would be amazing, because what we're going to do is that we're not going to read the whole chapter in one, in one big um, go, you know, in one go. We're going to be reading little chunks and see if we can learn from them. Right, so let's pray. Lord, thank you very much, because you are always good, and you're good all the time. Help us today to learn from your word, to understand your word, and um, help us to be receptive to it. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Right, so a little bit of story, history, I mean, uh, with no dates and difficult names. Um, in those days, you know, just before Daniel, after, after Daniel was born, there were lots of great big empires uh, in conflict with each other, as we know it happening today as well. Uh, the, before Daniel was born, it was the empire of the uh, Assyrian Empire. They were dominating the area. But there were other, other big <laughs> names. For example, in the south was Egypt. And there was another big superpower in the making as well called Babylon. And um, Judah, or Israel, was in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of these conflicts and fights. And uh, what happened one day is that Judah, trying to be clever, or Israel trying to be clever, or being foolish, probably, they thought that helping the, um, Egyptian, the, sorry, the Babylonians, they were going to get rid of the Assyrian, you know, what can I say, oppression on them. So they decided to go and attack Egypt. What they didn't know is that all of this effort was actually going to backfire, and uh, at the end, Babylon was going to conquer the Assyrians, was going to defeat uh, the Egyptians, and Israel was going to you know, yet again become a victim of this new empire. At this time, you know, when all of this is happening and Babylonian is, is doing all of this, the new king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is going to different territories to try to conquer them. And it's, one in, all of, it's in one of these visits you know, that the story of Daniel and the story we're going to be learning from unfolds. Let's go to the Bible and let's read verse 1 and 2. In the third year of, uh, just to let you know, I, I, I gave you, um, you know, details about my nationalities, and uh, I've been practicing really hard not to sound too British. <laughs> so if my pronunciation today is not clear enough, I'm doing it in purpose. <laughs> right? Let's read. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, to his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. This he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So all of this happened approximately six centuries before Christ, okay? Uh, Daniel was a young man. He was a remarkable young man, and uh, um, the Bible, actually, in the book of Ezekiel, if you want to read later on, Ezekiel 14, 14, and 14, 20, described Daniel as a righteous man. So he was um, a great model. But just imagine, just imagine when Daniel was there, he probably he was a teenager between 16 and 18, you know, and, and all of this happened. The Babylonian's army comes, and there is destruction. There is crimes. And on top of that, he's taken away from his family, his friends, his land. Now he's in exile. That must have been absolutely horrible. But going back to what we were reading, Daniel, uh, when he's writing this book, is not saying, oh, look, Babylon was so powerful and so mighty that they defeated Israel blindfolded. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say either Nebuchadnezzar was such an uh, amazing and wise war strategist 
that with no any effort, they just conquer um, um, Israel and, and Judah. What it says here is that the Lord, and this is really important, let's, let's see this, is the Lord delivered the king of Judah and Israel in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Nothing to do with how powerful Babylon was, but it was the Lord delivering. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar was just an instrument in God's hands that God was using for his own purposes, really. So later on, God is going to use another superpower, um, you know, the, the Persians with Cyrus to conquer Babylon. But that's later on we're going to talk about that. As it's just instruments in God's hands. So what we see here is that Jesus, sorry, the Lord, God, it's Jesus as well, isn't it? Is the Lord of the nations. Is the Lord of the nations. He, he puts, he moves the times. He puts kings in power and he can remove them as well. God is the God of the universe. God is sovereign. God is the king of kings. God is sovereign. And Daniel knew this. But not just, he doesn't just, you know, he didn't just know this, but he believed this. So we need to know this, and we need to believe this as well. We live in difficult times, difficult political times. You know, what's going on here in England and, uh, and the rest of the world, wars and all that kind of things. Um, but we, as Daniel, we need to trust God, and we need to believe that he is in control, that everything is in his hands. No matter the crisis, political, economical, social, Everything is in God's hands. So it would have been easy, if you imagine this, just a teenager. I remember just a couple of years ago when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy life. It wasn't an easy life. But just imagine, um, it would have been easy for, for Daniel just to despair and just to, just to give up and just to say, uh, to stop trusting in God and what he believed. It, it would have been easy, but he didn't do that. He knew and he believed in his heart that God was in control and he was going to fulfill his promises. God is not only interested in the big picture here. He's not only interested in the events that are affecting Judah as a nation. God is interested as well in the small picture, okay? And what's going on, what's affecting Daniel's life. Maybe you're going through difficult moments at the moment. Really, really horrible situations in your life. I, I, I don't know. Or maybe you have lived horrible situations and you still don't know why, why that happened. Um, well, just remember this with all your heart. Even if it doesn't feel like it, but God is in control and God is sovereign on, top, on that situation, even if you don't understand. Uh, I, I think I told you this a little. I, I have spoken, you know, talked to you a little bit about my dad. He was a pastor, and uh, uh, he was healthy most of his life. And uh, one day, he just he was diagnosed with cancer. And the whole church was praying. Massive, massive church over there, and everybody was praying. Three months later, we were saying goodbye to him. Um, and we didn't understand. We didn't understand. That was a really difficult situation. Uh, but we knew that God was in control. We knew that there was a bigger picture. Let's go back to the Bible, and let's read from verse 3 to 7. 
Um, the, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites, Israelites for the, from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in king, the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained there for three, day, three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among, of, among the, those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name of Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Right, so what we see here is that the Babylonians not only took the treasures made of metal, gold, silver, precious woods, back to Babylonian. They actually took a treasure even more valuable, the youth. They took them back to Babylonian. And if you think about it, this is an amazing strategy. What Nebuchadnezzar was doing here was two things. The first one was taking all the future leaders out of Judah. You know, he was definitely thinking, well, Judah's not going to be able to wake up here. He's not going to be able to rebel you know, how is he going to do it without the leaders? So he, what he was doing was crippling the country in that way. The second thing is he wanted these young people to use their gifts, their talents, to make his own name greater, to make Babylonia greater, but his own name greater. In verse 6, we see that Daniel was amongst uh, these people that were taken back to Babylonia. Now, Judah has been defeated militarily, but Nabucodonosor wants to defeat Judah and Israel intellectually, spiritually, and morally as well. It's not just about conquering the land, it's about crippling the country in some other ways. And what he's doing with all of these young people when, they, when they, Nabucodonosor brings them back to Babylonia is what he's trying to do is just to change them to change what they believe, he's trying to Babylonize them. That's a really cool word, isn't it? <laughs> Babylonize them. It's what he's trying to do. So what we can see here, can you see where we're going? We are in exile here. We don't belong here. We belong to the eternal nation. We are in exile. And what this, what this world, what this culture is trying to do to us it's, it's, it's that, just that. It's trying to Babylonize us, to absorb us, and to change what we are. We live in a world that, in a world, sorry, that is trying hard to make us think the way they think, to make us talk the way they talk, to see the good as bad, to see the bad as good, to worship the same idols and the same false gods. That's what the world is doing, trying to change our, our, our minds. So. We are here, and what do we do? Okay, we cannot escape from that. We are here until we actually see our Lord face to face. Our challenge is to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm sure you know that expression. 
Our challenge is to be in the world, here, but not of the world. The big, this is a big challenge because we're going to face opposition. Yeah? This world and culture goes against everything we believe, our Christian values, and it's trying to make us feel uneasy and ridicule. Okay, we're going to face persecution sometimes. And where are we going to find all of this opposition? And friendships, schools, our co-workers, neighbors, but we cannot live in a bubble. That's our challenge. The solution to this challenge is not to get isolated. It's not to go to the highest mountain and build a beautiful building and keep away from the rest of humanity. It's not, the solution is not a monastery, it's the ministry. Or buy an island and send all the Christians back there and hallelujah, last Christian country. No, that's not the solution either. We are called to be here, to be light in the darkness. We are called to be in this world and be sold. Daniel and his friends live in Babylon, yeah, without being Babylonians. We need to be like Daniel. We need to engage with this culture while we're here, but we need to engage with limits. What do I mean by that? Engaging with limits. Later on in verse 8, we're going to read a, a, a verse that probably all of you know when Daniel says no to the, to the food of the king. We're going to get there in a, in a, in a bit. But before we actually start focusing on that big no and the, you know, that's um, uh, what Daniel did there, I would like you to see with me three things that Daniel and friends said yes to before that. I think, I think this is really, really important. The yeses, how far Daniel went in engaging with Babylon. Number one. Yes to a higher education or the VU. That's not Bournemouth University. That's Babylonian University, yeah? <laughs> they said yes to higher education. Probably astronomy, astrology, math, you know, languages, literature, religion, and some other obscure things were the subjects that Daniel and friends had to study. But the interesting thing is Daniel, Daniel studied all of that, with his friends as well, and some of the things probably contrary to what they believe it was true, but he didn't become what he was studying. Yeah? He knew all of that, he got all this knowledge, but he didn't believe in it. Now, one, uh, one thing is to know, and another thing is to believe what you know. We know so many theologians that know knows the Bible from cover to cover but they don't believe in it. So there is a difference there. Information is everywhere, is it not? The world is trying to indoctrinate us, indoctrinate our youth, indoctrinate our kids, with all sorts of different ideas and concepts that are contrary to what the Bible, the Word of God says. Parents and the rest of the adults as well, but specifically for the parents, the peer pressure is really big in our schools. We need to help our kids to understand that God is with us, that God is with them, no matter the opposition. Again, the solution is not com- to convert your house into a bunker and keep your kids in there. The solution is, is that to make sure that the weight of the Word of God is way bigger 
than anything else that they've been bombarded with out there in Babylon. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to read this, but back home, if you want to go to Deuteronomy, what's that? Deuteronomy, I'm doing that in purpose. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9, actually teaches parents how to do this, how to teach our kids to be strong out there in Babylon. So yes, Daniel said, in France, they said yes to a three-year course. They learned lots of things. And at the end, they use all of this knowledge to help Babylon some way. But their hearts, their hearts, they were full of the truth. They were full of the real truth. And that was the word of God. And that's what we need to remember. So it's good. That's a good yes. They were engaging. Number two. Yes to a career in politics in Honduras and many other Latin American countries. Politics equals corruption. I'm sure it's different here, but <laughs> let's use Honduras as an example for the sake of the illustration. I remember when I was, when I was uh, uh, living with my parents over there, and uh, I remember many people coming to my dad saying, oh, look, Pastor, I got an opportunity to work in government, very close to the president, really, but I think I should say no because I'm a Christian. The, they knew that in that kind of environment, sooner rather than later, they were going to face situations where, you know, the, the things they believed in were going to be compromised. They were afraid of being in that kind of situations. I remember my dad, I'm quoting my dad a lot because I, I love that man. He used to say, he used to say, oh, you know, you know what, where's Pablo? You know what, Pablo? Do it, and do it as long as you can, and be salt and be light. Do it as long, you know, until, until you feel that you're crossing that line that can damage your faith. So please be part of politics, be part of a governing body, be part of a union. And if you're not called to that kind of things, well, be part of uh, the local scout troop, be part of the local traditional dancing club. Whatever it is, engage with this culture, but be light, be salt, and trying to influence the world for God. Number three, they said yes to a change of name. That was really big for them, because in Hebrew culture, names were really important. It was part of what they were, and they, they carried really you know, great significance. Um, let's see Daniel, for example. What it means is, God is my judge. God is my judge. He was changed to Belshazzar. That means may Marduk protect his life. Marduk was one of the many, many gods that the Babylonians had. Nothing has happened. <laughs> Babylonian, Babylonia had lots and lots of gods. Yeah? Hananiah. Look, listen to this. Hananiah means the Lord show grace. What a beautiful name is that. Actually, from now on, you can call me Hananiah. If I was there, was going to change my name. It was changed to Shadrach. That means command of Aku, the moon god. Another of those. Mishael means who is like God. 
and it was changed to Meshach, that means who is like Aku, another, another Babylonian god. Azariah means the Lord helps, another beautiful name. It was changed to Abednego, that means servant of Naboo. So the name, their name was changed by Nebuchadnezzar because he wanted them um, you know, to, to, be, uh, to have a Babylonian identity. Make them feel like Babylonians, to forget about what they were, they were coming from. But I'm sure that probably between them, they were still calling themselves by their Hebrew names, their real names. Because in their heart, they knew that no matter the labels they were using, these new names that were not going to change what they were, or their real identity, their identities in God. So uh, we are called to engage positively with society. I don't know if you know, but just last, last week, Thursday, I think it was, we had a polling station here. Uh, people came to the church and were voting. We, we uh, as a church, are committed to help and engage um, with the state if we feel it's right. Next Saturday, we're going to have the Spring Fest, another good way to engage with, with society. So Daniel and friends were adapting, living in this culture that, is total, that was totally different to their culture. But they were engaging and using those opportunities to influence the city and the people around them. They don't feel that these things they say yes to are somehow you know, compromising what they believe in, or they don't feel really that these things are actually contaminating them in any way. But now we are going to read um, verse 8 to 14, but now we'll see that Daniel faces a situation that could defile him, that could contaminating him. Let's read 8 to 9. But Daniel resolved not to define himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to define himself in this way, not to contaminate himself. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any other young man your age. The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the God, 18 to 14, 8 to 14, yeah, who the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he said, they said, please, please, tell your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat water, uh, to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that young man who ate eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Yeah? So there are a few possible explanations of why Daniel said, no, I don't want, I'm not going to have that food. The first one is, uh, when Daniel was, uh, um, you know, at that moment, the Hebrew laws of, about food, they were still in place. Okay, the what was impure, what was pure, what they could eat, that way couldn't eat. They believed that the life was in blood, so the way the animals were slaughtered was really important. If the meat had blood that was definitely impure, they couldn't eat that. Another, another thing is that uh, Babylonian had so many gods, it was so, you know, that, and, and they used to offer all the food to those goats before it was served to people. So that could have been, you know, one of the reasons that why Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do it. Another one is eating the food that the king himself was eating in those days. It was a demonstration of allegiance and belonging. So eating this food, it was, it was 
saying, yeah, I'm eating this food and I belong to Nebuchadnezzar. Another thing could have been that Daniel was just giving space to God to keep working in their lives. So what was for Daniel? Probably a combination of all of them. But the interesting thing is that Daniel said, no, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to show my fellow students here that I have been Babylonized, that I accept this, that I'm compromising what I believe in, that I'm compromising my faith. Yes, I can work for Nebuchadnezzar, but it is to God to whom my allegiance belongs. Daniel could have done or reacted in different ways in this situation. Yeah, he could have said, oh, poor me. I'm just a, you know, member of, uh, just a young, young guy. I cannot change this empire on my own. Okay, and we're all hungry. Let's, let's just eat. He could, have, he could have been an opportunist and just say, if I eat this food, I'm going to win the king's favor. Okay, I'm going to be closer to him. And after all, everything that we've been through it's just fair that we enjoy this food, glorious food, yeah? <laughs> we read in verse 4, he was a handsome guy. He could have been chicken. I know some of you know this strategy, but he could have just winked to the kitchen lady <laughs> and find another type of food. But he didn't. Daniel reacted with self-control, wisdom, intelligence, gentleness, and humility. Daniel chose to say no openly. He was respectful, but inflexible. That's what is called bravery. I'm going to print that phrase and put it in my room. Amazing. Now, friends, this is not just about the food. This is bigger than just the food. It's about everything that could contaminate you, that could contaminate me, and do not give, to glo- do not give glory to God. I cannot give you a list of things that, you know, of this is good, this is bad, because only you know in your heart the things that could draw you, draw you away or drive you away from God. Only you know the things that, you know, you can do and those things that are not going to give glory to God. So this is bigger than just this food issue here. Daniel knew where the line was. Daniel knew how much he could engage with Babylon before defiling himself. He said, yes, 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 to three things. But this one, no, I cannot. Uh, He maintained his integrity in exile. Uh, Going back to, we're going to read 15, verse 15 to 20 very quickly. How are we doing in time, Richard? Five? Excellent. So what was the result of the 10 days of vegetables? Our brothers and sisters that are vegetarians here would say, a miracle, a miracle. (laughs) Thanks God, I'm not vegetarian. (laughs) But it's good for the vegetarians here as well to be vegetarians. (laughs) Anyway, back to 15 to 20. Where is it? At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier, better nourished than any young men who ate the royal food. So the God took away the choice food and the wine that they were to drink, and gave them vegetables instead. To those your four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding, all the kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. 
You know, later on in, the, in this series, we're going to talk about visions and dreams, and that's really good. At the end of this time, set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found them. Listen to this. No, they, he found them in every matter and on, uh, of wisdom and understanding which the Christian questioned them. He found them ten times better, ten times be- better than the others. So it was a miracle. At the end, they look healthier, they look better. Kids, that's what is important to eat your vegetables. <laughs> God gave them knowledge and intelligence, and they were 10 times better than the others. Imagine that, but all of this is not because of the diet. Okay, yeah, they were eating vegetables, but it wasn't because of the diet. It was because they were faithful to God. It was because they were willing to trust to God. It was because they were willing to pay the cost of not crossing the line. Yeah? yeah? So, let's go back to the final, final verse before, before I finish. Final verse. And Daniel remained there until the first year of the king Cyrus. Babylon was conquered, was defeated at the end by Cyrus the Great, Babylon is no more, and guess who's still there? Daniel. At the end of, all the nations are going to disappear, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom we are citizens of, will remain. Oh, hallelujah. So, how to live? Let's see. Oh, uh, I missed that one. (laughs) How to live in exile? How to live? Practical ways. We're going to try to do it. Fairly quickly. Do not put your confidence in your own strength. It was God that made Daniel and friends more mature, more intelligent, more skillful. When difficult comes along, please don't forget that God is with you. No matter how horrible or difficult the situation is, God is with you. Number two, do not, do not isolate yourself. Again, no, don't make your house into a bunker. Do not cut communication. Prepare yourself Prepare your kids, prepare your family to live in this world, to be in this world, but not of the world. Prepare yourself to live biblically, to live biblically and, 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 and think biblically about all the challenges that this world, this culture are going to throw you know, towards you. Number three, live with excellence for God. No matter the stage in life you are, if you're in school or if you are in high school, in university, if you're working, if you're retired, no matter, live in, in excellence. Okay? So if you're a teacher, be the best teacher for the glory of God. If you're, if you're a politician, be the best politician for the glory of God. If you're a student, be the best student for the glory of God. If you're a baker, yeah, make good cakes for the glory <laughs> of God. Number four, is that number four there? Remember your identity in Christ. Okay, remember your identity in Christ. No matter the labels that this world wants to give you guys, no matter the labels that this world wants to give you, remember your identity in Christ. Okay, Daniel and friends didn't call themselves Hebrews and acted like Babylonians. Remember who you are. Live your life yearning. Not yawning, yeah? Yearning. (laughs) 
you know that feeling if, you, if you're foreign, well, if you're coming from another country like me or if, or if you're English but you live abroad, you know that feeling when you listen to that song from your land and you're sort of thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, or you, you think about that pudding or the fish and chips, whatever it is. <laughs> I would like to be in, over there. How I miss my people. How, how I miss my land. Let's live in the same way, you know, yearning for a heavenly nation, for a, hev- a nation in heaven. Oh, that day when I'm going to see the face of God. That day where 24-7 I'm going to be worshiping. I'm here physically, but my heart is there. You know, let's live in that way. If we live in that way... You know, it's going to be easier to go through the storms and deserts in this life. That was number five. Number six, say no to things that can defile you, the things that can contaminate you, the things that are not going to give glory to God. I'm sure all of you have opened the fridge and actually and, and, and have smelled the milk and suddenly it's like the milk is bad. I'm sure that you wouldn't drink it, would you? You wouldn't. Straight on the thing and the sink. Straight there. Straight on the sink. Let's live the same way, you know. The spiritual, we need to be, you know, in, in the spiritual way, do the same thing in spiritual things. If you're in the middle of a conversation and suddenly something starts smelling bad, I'm talking, this is the subject of the conversation, yeah? You say no and go away, okay? Say no. If you're watching television and something is, you know, you think that's going to contaminate me. I don't think that's going to give glory to God. Turn the telly off. Bang. If your boss says to you, oh, can you alter these numbers here? Because at the end of the month, you know, we need to... Sorry, boss. I need to say no. Remember where the lines are. The lines that you shouldn't cross. Okay? Uh, I think that's, that's the last one. And I, probably you're thinking... Probably you're thinking, yeah, that's so good, Carlos. I really, you know, kind of agree with all of that. But to live like Daniel, really difficult, even if we try hard. Probably you're right thinking about that. Really difficult to be Daniel. Really difficult to be Moses in Pharaoh's palace. Really difficult to be, who's the other one, Joseph in, 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 in Egypt. Really, really difficult. But these guys were living in exile, and they were faithful to the end. We're living in exile, but sadly... Sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we trip over. Sometimes we cross the wrong line. We cannot deny that. But because we know Daniels, we're not perfect. We need someone bigger, bigger than Daniel to help us to live in that way. And that person that is bigger than Daniel is Jesus. Jesus came to this earth, a place and culture that was totally contrary to his own. Jesus left his home, his father, and live in exile. Like Daniel, Jesus learned our language, our customs, our thoughts, and he was faithful to the Father till the end. It's not going to fall. Are you getting nervous? Jesus maintained his integrity, guys. Jesus suffered great opposition, and despite all of that, he responded with humility and kindness. Jesus was tempted, as we are, but he said, No! He didn't cross the line. He was wise, wiser than anyone, but humble. Jesus engaged with everyone. He talked to anyone. He befriended everyone, visited the ones that no one would. Jesus was obedient, and listen to this, he was obedient to the point of death on a cross, dying on a cross for you and for me. 
Because of Jesus' perfection and sacrifice, we find forgiveness before God. Through Jesus, we are clean and perfect before God. Through Jesus, we find favor before the King of Kings. One day, Jesus will come back. And just like Daniel, when he returned to Judah, we're going to return to our eternal nation with him. Let's try to live like Daniel, but through the one that is bigger than Daniel. Let's put our trust in Jesus, waiting for his return and the day when he will restore all things. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we want to say thank you uh, because it's through you that we can stand firm. We, it's through you that we can live in this Babylon and we can maintain our integrity. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice you did for us. And because of that sacrifice, we can go straight to the King of Kings, your Father. So help us to live in integrity, to live in this Babylon. And just like Daniel, be firm and stand firm for you. Amen.